welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that looks at, you know, for middle ground and life, wellness trends, et cetera. Uh, my name is Jenny Omani. And I'm Annika Buckle. As always, we appreciate you supporting the podcast by listening to us. And we also would appreciate if you supported the podcast by reviewing us on your podcast platform and sharing with your friends and your enemies alike. <laughs> but only if your enemies will like us and also share. And give five star reviews. Otherwise, <laughs> re- please refrain. <laughs> um, small trigger warning. It's definitely a very light trigger warning. Um, but it we nevertheless do talk about calorie count. Mm-hmm. Um, today, uh, not in a in depth way, and not in um, yeah, not in a way that spends like a lot of time or energy. So it's definitely a light trigger warning, but like a trigger is a trigger. So we're just going to put it out there. Um, highly recommend my current favorite thing that you should do to distract yourself and make yourself happy is go to YouTube and type in original cast recording and then the name of a animated Disney movie and go watch those people sing because footage is from the 80s. Oh my gosh. Amazing. The hair is Amazing. And it's also like just kind of cool, anyways. So that's my oh, my that's my recommendation. Like that. That's a good. It's a really fun rabbit hole. So we are now in day two, recording two, round two of our diet trends throughout the decades, and we are finding ourselves in the 1930s. Annika Buckle, <laughs> if I said, what do you feel diet trends in the 1930s were? What oh. do you, what is going to pop to mind? Well, I'm going to say that probably the biggest thing um, was uh, people not having enough to eat uh, and and not having enough money and there not being enough food. Um, so I don't know. Would we call that a trend? I guess we would. Uh, it's a great segue is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for social context, so the Great Depression was in the 1930s and it actually technically started in 1929. Um between 1929 and 1932, there was a worldwide um, gross domestic product or GDP um, tumble. <laughs> downhill. Um, it dropped by, uh, 15%, about 15%. So for comparison, I'm not going to tell you what GDP is because this is not my wheelhouse. This is a great conversation to have with Annika's husband or my (laughs) husband, but absolutely not me, not to gender it. I'm just saying in my internal, in our lives, our husband, that is who finance. (laughs) Yeah. That is who would find this question, um, or topic interesting. Um, But in comparison, the GDP fell by less than 1% in 2008 during the recession, right? So that's just comparison. So that's 15% when you say it doesn't really sound like that much, but when you compare it to less than 1% being really devastating, I mean, yes, that's good context. Yeah. And I think it's also always important to like really hammer in that a small percentage of a really big number is still a really big number. <laughs> yes. Right. And yes, that can yep. that applies in always. So it's a percentage. But yes. So in between 1929 and 1932, the GDP fell by 15%. And in 2008 to 2009, it dropped by less than 1%. So yeah. significant um difference. And 2008 was no- known as the air quotes great recession. So, you know, it wasn't a depression, it was a recession. So that's kind of the difference we're looking at there, just to give us a little bit of context. So going back to what you said, Annika, yeah, these are this is a time where um, food scarcity is preve- uh, prevalent in groups that do not normally experience food scarcity. Yes, that's um, a really unimp- important 
distinction, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always going to be a portion of the population who um, experiences food scarcity. In this context, there's a lot more people. Unemployment Mm -hmm. was up to like 33% in some areas in North America. I mean, that's a third, third of people not working. Well, and especially (laughs) when you look in context, that's like that. If we're looking at who is working at that time, that's not even of everybody. That's basically of men because that's men probably outside the home at that point. So you think about how many dependent people are dependent on just one of those incomes and what that impact, how much greater that impact would have been than say today, where we have a little more equal representation in the workforce. Totally. And, you know, we know that the women did join the workforce during World War One, but we also know that they went right back out of the work workforce yeah. for the most part. Afterwards, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Men came home, men wanted their jobs back, everybody wanted life as normal, right? So it's a great point. So that sort of up to 33% stat is really looking at, um, at men versus women. Mm-hmm. Um, so one might think <laughs> that this was not a time to give a shit about women's bodies. <laughs> But don't worry. Wait. <laughs> don't worry. I found an article uh, oh from the Saturday Evening Post, dated September 22nd, 1934, oh God. written by a doctor who they don't actually name the gender of the physician. But, but then when I actually clicked to see the original, like a photo of the original article, he is, of course, a he. So I'm going to put the opening paragraph in the chat for you. So 1934. So in the States, the depression is kind of wrapping up, but in other parts of the world, it persists into like the second world war because Mm -hmm. of various economic differences. (laughs) Before the establishing of our modern knowledge of diet, it was taken for granted that the shape anyone might have had been conferred upon him by providence and the best one could do would be to make the most of it. There was little to be done in making the least of it. Nature creates human beings and animals in all sorts of forms and sizes. A great Dane takes many a roll in the dust, but never achieves the slimness of a greyhound. A draft horse of the Percheron type travels many a mile pulling heavy loads, but never gets small enough to be a baby's pony. Nevertheless, the basic framework can be modified as to the amount of upholstery. Every woman knows that she can, by suitable modification of her diet and by the use of proper exercise, cause the pounds to pass away. What the fuck? I have so much to say about this. I just really can't. I had to mute, like literally mute myself while you were reading that because I couldn't stop laughing because I knew this was going to make you so mad. Um, but who knew <laughs> upholstery is- was? <laughs> and who knew upholstery was an adjective? Greyhound is never going to be a greyhound, but a woman can be a completely different shaped woman without even a what? Upholstery. Fuck you, doctor, mister. (laughs) Now, this is obviously just like, and this is like a, yeah, okay. There's just, there's a lot to say about that, but. (laughs) Right. But this is what's happening in media at the time. Yep. Got it. Yes. He goes on to describe. And if you haven't listened to the 1920s episode, this is a great time to just pop back and listen. Cause he goes back to basically say, 
women had corsets and then they had boyish frames. <laughs> and now it's time to like take your bodies back, women. There will be a link to this uh, article, like the original of this article in the, the, the notes if you have an interest. Uh, the diagrams are also, I mean, they're not oh. worth sharing here, but they're they're like, it's like a potato with a sign that says like, don't eat potatoes and he's angry. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> Every so, woman knows that she can. <laughs> right. And I know, I know. It's just, it's just, there's so many Great. things. Great. But what's We realize that you've been starving for the last five years, but. You're still starving in a lot of but places. But apparently now you're too fat. You're, yeah. You are literally still starving depending on various factors yeah socioeconomic conditions so what i found really fascinating and this is where we get into our calorie um numbers and like i said this is that was a light trigger warning because i'm gonna describe what this physician feels so he's an md medical doctor feels is a reasonable amount of calories per day for different people and you might be surprised at the number of calories based on his opening paragraph <laughs> but he says a man doing hard muscular work needs 4150 calories per day and okay. as a side note like i dated a guy in i guess university who was a professional hockey player in europe and they were put on like i think it was like an 8000 cal- calorie a day diet to like keep their because they were right. training so much because you're training they so lived hard. in this like house with all these other hockey players and they had to set an alarm and wake up in the middle of the night and drink like a high calorie shake because they oh physically God. could not consume the number of calories and that's 8000 calories so 40 4100 seems like a relatively reasonable I could I could consume that within my waking hours for sure if I put 4100 yeah me too yeah, for yeah. sure yeah, but like that's not normally when you see calorie recommendations, they're nowhere near 4,000 <laughs> no. calories a day. No. So, I mean, the man was a little bit more generous here. Okay, so that's for a man doing. I was going to say, hard, was he just more generous to the men? Work. Sort of. Um, a moderate worker, once again, define your terms. Right. No footnotes to define the terms here. <laughs> moderate worker can have 3,400 calories a day. A desk worker, 2,700 calories, and a person of leisure, 2,400 calories. <laughs> I would love to see a doctor in the 1930s definition of a person of leisure. Oh my God. <laughs> what does that even mean? What? That just mean is that just supposed to mean women because they weren't they right. couldn't be a desk most couldn't be a desk worker or a moderate worker? Well, everybody knows like making every <laughs> three meals a day from scratch, keeping your house clean and like looking after Life 27 children is very leisurely, very leisurely. Um, he does give recommendations for kids. It's based on weight. I mean, whatever. Um, and then it, we go to, uh, it, we go to person. So he never specifies women but he's referring to men then he goes a person um a per- <laughs> so i don't know there's men means. and then there's people <laughs> i'm not really sure what that exactly a person 30 years old weighing about 150 pounds may have 2700 calories a person 40 years old same weight 2500 calories a person 60 years old same weight 2300 calories 
most diet books today, I don't see a two at the beginning of the No, certainly not for uh, women. I mean, uh, persons. Persons. A person is a person, no matter how small. Um, (laughs) No matter how much upholstery they have on them. Upholstery. Upholstery. But don't worry. Don't worry. I was like, I was about to be a little bit hopeful. No. He then goes on to say that if there are two ways of being fat. The first way is if you have metabolic reasons like your thyroid, um, different hormonal reasons. But the only other way you could possibly be fat (laughs) is by overeating. And it is safe if you are fat by overeating. This is a quote, quote, his words, not mine. It is safe to have a 1000 calorie a day diet. And don't worry, Annika Buckle, I do have a photo of it. Safe. So safe. Do six stewed prunes for breakfast, mm-hmm. puffed, half a cup of puffed rice, one teaspoon of sugar, half a cupful of skimmed milk, two eggs, one thin slice entire wheat bread. I assume that means like whole wheat whole rather wheat. than white. Yeah. Coffee with cream and sugar. Then for lunch, luncheon, if you will, luncheon, clear soup, six ounces. Which is basically consomme, and I can tell that from the m- number of calories, which is 15. <laughs> oh, geez, I didn't even look at that. Yep, there it is. Two ounces of cold chicken, half a slice of bran bread, a serving of cuc- cucumber and radish salad and fresh fruit, one serving only. For dinner, oh, again, for dinner, you get a consomme, probably similar to the clear soup you, you got at lunch. One serving of roast veal, eight stalks of asparagus, half a cup of peas, a tomato and chive salad, one pear. And for dinner, you also get a black coffee. I mean, did people not have sleep problems then? Seriously. (laughs) I would just like to point out that this is mid to slightly post-depression era. You don't have sugar. Sugar. How much veal do you really get? I don't know the answer right. to that, but it doesn't Chicken. seem like it doesn't seem like 170 calories a day worth. <laughs> Seasonally, you're gonna have the vegetables and the pear, right? Like, okay, buddy. Like, thanks, man. Wow. Um, so I am you go. once again. I am starving just reading this. <laughs> I also want to know things like why does the chicken have to be cold and can't just be in the soup, the clear soup? <laughs> like what's wrong with the chicken in the clear soup? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How dare you? So that's wow. that that sweet little aperitif. And then um, there was actually a diet in the 1930s called the bananas and skim milk diet. <laughs> The most disturbing part about this is if you put that in your search bar, you will find modern day websites like and bloggers recommending this as like a three day fast. Oh, stop it. So we've learned literally nothing in a hundred years is what you're telling us. We have learned nothing. Um, so the bananas and skim milk diet is also created by a male doctor. Um, and as the name suggests, you eat only bananas and drink skim milk. Like only, like no no stewed prunes, no half a cup of puffed rice, no four bananas a day. Oh my god, you would be so sick of bananas. 
a few glasses of non-fat milk. So it doesn't actually even specify the number of glasses. <laughs> I would have to drink like 44. <laughs> this, so it was originally designed as a way to prevent diabetes. Oh, stop it. With bananas? <laughs> right. And, and skim milk. Um, and you would lose six to 10 pounds over two weeks. And I'm sure you actually would if you you did do that. I bet you would. So interestingly in June of 1934, there is a report published in the Journal of American, uh, the American Medical Association. Okay. So JAMA. Mm -hmm. So JAMA is like one of the leading medical, um, peer-reviewed journals. Generally fairly trusted in terms of, uh, as a resource. And they do not disappoint in this case. (laughs) Um, So JAMA's take is uh, in their response that, quote, restricting food intake so severely doesn't teach you how to navigate the real world of varying food choices in ways that benefit your health. AKA, like, eating bananas and milk does absolutely nothing in the real world. Well, like, it's you like, can't, you're not, you're learning nothing. You're doing nothing healthy. You're, no, no, this is again, this is that like thin at all costs under the guise of health, but actually it's really unhealthy, right? Like, so I did mention that this is something that actually legitimately shows up on t- like modern day bloggers web, like pages is like a recommendation for, I mean, why do a juice cleanse when you can literally right. eat bananas and milk? Same right. shit, right? It's totally. It's just dressed in a different package, but it's absolutely and probably less expensive. I mean, <laughs> true. Although I don't know, bananas, I can't imagine were like super reasonably priced in the thirties. I mean, transport no. still feels like it would be hard. Although I guess it was probably all harvested by slave labor. So maybe it was. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, I mean, if you're not paying people, uh, um, so the modern day claim is that, and this is actually true to the best of what I've been able to see, is that bananas have a resistant, it's known as resistant starch. Um, and it that's and it can help like prevent constipation, decrease cholesterol levels, uh, reduce your risk of colon cancer. I have not fact-checked the actual statistics. It could be by like 0.2%, but whatever. Right. Um and it's supposed to act as like a prebiotic, whatever. So, right. but we also know no one's arguing that bananas are healthy or not. Right. That's not. However, <laughs> they are no individual food is healthy enough to eat nothing but it. Especially when, if you want to use the resistant starch argument, you need to eat green bananas. <laughs> right. So, eating like a normal banana as it's like actually going to be an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Maybe the first time after, you know, right. The fourth banana of the day, I think you feel differently, but like you're, so you need to eat green bananas and I have not checked on here, but I seem to remember from personal experience, green bananas like make you feel awful. Yeah. They're really unpleasant to eat. And like, they don't digest well, probably because they don't digest. (laughs) Right. Again, which is the claim, but that means that they're like, it's an unpleasant experience. Yeah. So that brings us to our, our last trend, food trend, uh, main major trend of the 1930s, which is our old friend, the depression cake. Oh, so, this had like a real renaissance. Yes. Recently. Tell me what you know about the depression cake. Um, that it, uh, came into my sphere as the depression cake that's all over tiktok and like i tuned out because i was like this feels like something that's not for me (laughs) it's 
a very logical thing. It was originally actually not from the depression. It, it sort of dates back to the first world war and it was called war cake. And all it is, is taking people who are being given food rations and there's like not great availability of things like milk, sugar, sugar, butter, eggs. Right. All and the, all people the like, got creative things. <laughs> yeah, totally. So people just got creative with what they had to work with and right. made a kind of a, like not the best cake in the world, but absolutely better than no cake at all. Which is and your alternative cake. Yeah, totally. Right. People, everybody, human beings have a really good way of a lot of the time, not always doing well with what they have to work with. Right. Yeah. right? And like, especially in community, which people would have been more so particularly sure. during wartime. Yeah. Right. So they came up with this cake. It made a resurgence in the depression when they just didn't have milk, sugar, butter, eggs. Um, so they had to get creative and what you're doing is you're soaking prunes or raisins to make like a sweet syrup. And that's, what's going to sweeten your cake. And then it's just oh, like a bunch of other interesting. Stuff. It's it, like, really it feels like this exciting. is the second time we've seen stewed prunes today. That feels like a real oh. cornerstone of 1930s eating. <laughs> Blech, right. <laughs> Evidently there was no prune shortage. So, and it made a resurgence in the early days of COVID, like when a lot of people were still locked down. Um, because people were just getting creative. I think people were at home doing the best with what they had to work with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, especially on TikTok and Instagram were sharing that through reels, TikToks, whatever. And this is one of the things that came up along with like sourdough and the Delgana coffee. I'm probably saying that wrong, but you know what I mean? The like yeah. powdered instant coffee, whipped it up, pour some milk on it. So that's, uh, that's the modern day version of it. I just can't imagine, though, having access to things like milk, sugar, butter, and eggs, and yet choosing to not <laughs> use them and side for, like, soaked raisins or prunes or dates yes. or, like, whatever. Like, it's they're not the same. <laughs> no, it's not the same. And I think, again, kind of to that exact point, it's one thing if it's, like, out of, uh, like, forced necessity, and it's another thing if it's, like, out of choice because it's in vogue or whatever but i mean mm -hmm. i can also see people again to your point people are adaptive i could see somebody makes this and they're like this is the best cake i've ever had i love it maybe regular cake is too sweet maybe you know what i mean like totally the world is full of all kinds of people and i am one who's never gonna make any kind of cake <laughs> so <laughs> and i also think it gave a really healthy distraction during a yes. really stressful time yeah, really and i think point. you could go the take a you know it's not appropriate to make depression cake and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, there's also, this is a time when people were, and it's so interesting how we've pushed, I don't know about you, but really pushed that period of time out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's we a bit were, like, it's a bit like being like the parent of a newborn, right? You're like, I don't yeah, really remember oh those days. <laughs> I remember it was bad and I don't remember the details. But it was a stressful time. We weren't in community the same way. Mm -hmm. And it was all about finding things to do when you literally were, I don't want to say stuck at home, but, but couldn't could really leave your house. Stuff, but right. I mean, you couldn't even really, you do. couldn't go to playgrounds you, you're yeah. with your kids, right? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm all for things that make people happy, even if it's for a short period of time. <laughs> And that's the 1930s. Just like that. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, um, <laughs> I'm happy to learn uh, about 
all of the prunes. And I'm uh, so joyous that I have a new way to describe women and their extra upholstery. (laughs) It's really something. Thanks so much for listening to Now. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.